In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. I need a little love like I never needed love before. <laughs> Gonna make love to your baby. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a little bit too intense. I had a little love, now I'm back for more. <laughs> Wanna make love to Wait, is you, that baby? I don't know, man. Get a little bit closer, I just... baby. Get it on, get it on. Cause tonight is the night yeah, where right. to become <laughs> one. Good. All of this is appropriate because we're uh, we're sitting here in this very intimate new space. After... Not only am I back from France, but or at Jack's place, which is where we usually record, and to not put his wife out tonight. We've decided to hole up in his tiny office. Yeah. I'm sitting in his closet. Jack's underwear are inches away from my face. Uh-huh. Not, not the ones I'm wearing. Not the ones he's wearing. <laughs> we are exiled today. Mm-hmm. We're essentially like pikes. Yeah. Cast out by society. This is our own little pike club Cast here. out by my fat cat wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little harsh, but... We decided that her being in her own home right. trumped any desire we might have to record our hit podcast. It's generous, the, but yeah, art understood. Is more important than our art. Uh-huh. Art's generous, our, but I get where you're coming from. Than our artistic expression. Mm-hmm. She wanted to watch TV. I just... You know what I just finished? What? I listened to another podcast, Baby Nation. Maybe some of you listen to it, too. I suspect wow. you do. Okay. It's called Rose Buddies. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette series of TV shows. And I just finished the other day on my flight home from Paris. I spent 10 days in Paris. Mm-hmm. On my trip home, I watched um, the finale of Bachelorette Canada. <laughs> and if I, I can't recommend it yeah. highly enough. They're just all like super polite to each other. Very polite. <laughs> There's always a bad guy on The Bachelorette. There's always like a bad boy. Yeah. And even he was pretty polite. Yeah. Like during the uh, finale, he apologized to the guy <laughs> who he was like mean to. Good. Yeah. That sounds nice. We wrote a book today. Maybe we could talk about that. I Do suppose you... we could. Listen, get off of Twitter. Get off of Twitter. There's not even a song for that. Get off of and Twitter. into my book. Did you like the book we read today? I thought it was good. I thought it was dibble. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was dibbly distant. Did you think it was dibbly distant? I thought it was dibbly distant. Wow, that's... High praise. Yeah. I guess distant wasn't testing well <laughs> in their like <clears throat> their youth focus groups. Yeah. So Baby Nation, in last week's book, Christy You know what would be helpful? Yeah. Hi hi. Oh, you want to start. And welcome to the <laughs> okay. Babysitters Club Club. <laughs> Good. Good. Wow. My name is Tana Greenring. And my name is Jack Shepard. It's a podcast in which uh the two of us, intimate whom couple. you've just, yeah, <laughs> two intimate friends, yes. <laughs> who read and discuss both physically and emotionally close to each other. The American classics, <laughs> the Babysitters Club. Mm-hmm. This week, we mm-hmm. read book number thirty-nine mm-hmm. in the American Babysitters Club mm-hmm. cycle. Yep. Poor Mallory. I would, I would hit that exclamation point a little harder. Okay. Poor Mallory. <laughs> Poor Mallory. <laughs> it's not clear whether it's supposed to be like an angry or like a surprised or 
Yeah, poor Mallory. Poor Mallory. <laughs> yeah. But we read it. Yeah. We read it. Is is there an author or is it sort of Yeah, it was an, written by anonymous, uh, um Ann M Martin. Okay. <laughs> Good. Does the M stand for anything? Not sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not stated in the text. She's the saint of Princeton, right? She's from Princeton, New <laughs> yeah. Jersey, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure she's been she canonized. She hasn't been canonized? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not really uh um You're not much of an Anhead? I'm not an Anhead. Yeah. So I I don't really look into her backstory at all. We read we read a book today. That last week okay. the girls invented a word. Yeah. Distant. Yeah. It means cool. Yeah. This week they invented a new word. They invented two invented two new words. Yeah, but they invented one specifically. Dibble. It means cool. <laughs> Dibble is awesome. It's short for incredible. Yeah, cred. Here's the, here's the quote, and this is the quote that gets all three of the new catchphrases that Anna Martin and the Scholastic Lawyers are desperate to catch on so they can throw them on some fucking t-shirts. Yeah, bumper stickers. Christy has the most incredible family, or as she would say, the most Dibble family. Right. Dibble is short for incredible. My friends love to make up words. Another word meaning Dibble is distant. The opposite of Dibble and distant is stale. That's good. <laughs> That's Breves it. are good, man. Breves is a good way to come up with a new lingo. Yeah. Uh, at one point in this book, Claudia refers to Stacy as the queen of dibbleness. She's the queen of dibbleness, and in the last book, we learn that she's the most distant member of the Babysitter's Club. D- true in both senses of the word. Yeah. This is something that you and me and our friends do quite a bit. Invent, uh, invent cool words? Just brief stuff down. Oh, yeah. Like when we need to schedule a meeting together, we, mm-hmm. uh, we check our dars. Oh, yeah. Let me look let me look at my dar. Yeah, and I attempted unsuccessfully to introduce the a brief throom. <laughs> I love it. For bathroom. Yeah. It's like, "Oh man, let's go to lunch, but I'm going to hit up the throom first. Right. Our friend Cobb, whose full name is Jacob, <laughs> but we call him Cobb, invented the brief boy. Boy. Oh, for subway. Yeah, let's go eat a boy. So good. Yeah. So this is kind of a you know, I acquiesce. Yeah. Yes, Babysitter's Club, Anna and Martin, you invented this trope, mm-hmm. but we have kept it going these 30-some years. After 30 years, it's still not stale. In mm-hmm. fact, it is dibbly distant. It is dibbly distant. Yeah. Baby Nation, I guess probably some apologies up front. We're going to have to say it a lot early on. Like, it's just been born in our minds. Yeah. So that it, so it kind of sticks and becomes a little bit more natural. Right. So bear with us. Um, and if it starts to sound a little stale, yeah, you know that's all right. It'll get better. It'll get more. more that actually works in the the proper dimple. sense of the term stale. Yeah, I feel like you're um you're running the show today, my man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just batted that ball right back over the fence, didn't you? <laughs> that was a. <laughs> I just double faulted on that. <laughs> I'm looking uh, up Bonnie Black. I already looked up Bonnie Black. I remembered why we don't let you run things. Because you just, like, get on your fucking phone. I was looking up a relevant point to our podcast. You know when is a good time to do that? During the hours of research that we do before we sit down to record. I don't do any research. I finished (laughs) the book ten minutes before I walked over here. What? Uh, You knew that. So wait, it's just me who's been doing? I read the complete works of Dickens. I did Dick. (laughs) <laughs> in preparation stale. for this discussion. <laughs> stale. 
Listen, all right, I'm gonna take the reins back if you're not gonna if you're not gonna They're all yours, compadre. You had your chance. We read a book today, it was called Hello Mallory. Yellow Mallory. <laughs> uh it wasn't called Hello Mallory. It was called <laughs> Poor Mallory. Uh, what we like to do for the loyal members of Baby Nation is describe what happened in this book and then discuss it. It's a tried and true formula. Mm-hmm. I describe the book and then you describe the book. People seems love, redundant. They love to have the book described twice. Yeah. Oh, you know what else you're going to fucking hate? What? My one's, I think, probably the longest ever. My description. <laughs> it's not that dense of a text. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't know, man. I just, I just, oh, I'll tell you what it was. I was channeling Dickens. Okay. Because so there's gonna... all this Dickensian stuff in this book. Oh, is there? Yeah. I didn't notice it. Great. Well, this is going to be a one-sided conversation. What I like to do is to give a overview of the book so people can get a sense of the broad narrative themes. Mm-hmm. And then I put 60 seconds on the clock and have you fill in the details. And mm-hmm. we're, we're going to begin that now. Mm-hmm. Here's what this book was about. Forced into penury and destitution when he is laid off by the heartless aristocrat who is working him to death. John Pike has no choice but to put his seven young children to work themselves in order to put food on the table. As John sinks further into a haze of gin-addled despair, his starving children, led by the brave and precocious 11-year-old, Mallory, are left alone to face the cruel and dangerous underworld that awaits the impoverished and the forgotten. A searing indictment of a society that is rotten to its core, poor Mallory is at once an impassioned condemnation of the excesses attained by the heedless rich and a harrowing portrait of the indignities suffered by the hopeless poor. With a range that extends from the mansions of the elite to the dingy back rooms of those who live on the edge, poor Mallory will make you rethink everything you know about what it means to make a living in the modern world. Poor Mallory! You were not lying. Yeah, that was a long one, huh? That was long-winded. Yeah. Uh, and it was oddly punctuated by this book title. <laughs> yeah. A few times there. Yeah. You, you didn't let my attention drift, as it often does, because <laughs> you kept bringing me right back in. With, <laughs> Poor Mallory! <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to hit that exclamation point. I think it's supposed to be like, Poor Mallory. No, I think it's Poor Mallory. Oh. Poor Mallory. Why would that need an exclamation? She's living in poverty. Yeah. No, Uh, I get it. Well, I had a crack at it. Do you want to have In fact... Oh, okay. Mr. Pike, whose name is apparently John, which I don't know where you're getting that from, but certainly not the text. Yeah, Babysitter's Club, Wikia. Not a reliable source. (laughs) It's so fucking reliable. And so, like, some dedicated soul has filled in every available fucking detail on it. Are we on there? No, I don't think so. We're a big part of Babysitter's Club lore now. Well, maybe we can work our way into that. You were going to say that John Pike... Gets severance from his job. Yeah. And it actually does not take him long to find a new position at a new company. Yeah. I doubt that they lost any revenue at all in the Pike household. Do you think they overreacted? Yeah. He does... Like, very clearly become an alcoholic, briefly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. You want me to read that passage? Yeah. One Tuesday, 
Not long after Dad said he'd exhausted the possibilities, I came home from school earlier than usual. I had no sitting job that afternoon, and school had come to an abrupt end ten minutes before the final bell because we'd had a false fire alarm. I parked my bike in our garage and ran inside, expecting to find Dad in the kitchen with the paper. Instead, I found him sprawled in an easy chair in the rec room. He was wearing blue jeans, a t-shirt, and these awful old slippers that the triplets tease him about. Next to him was a box of crackers, half empty, and in his hand was a glass of something. (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so that happens, and, like, all the alarm bells go off, and all the babysitters spring into action. Like, what are we going to fucking do? Like, the dude just lost his fucking job. He got laid off. Yeah. And... Uh, and then, like, the next thing that happens is Mallory comes home, and she's like, where's Claire? Where's Claire? Oh, Dad didn't pick up Claire. And then she, like, goes up into, like, Claire's bedroom, and Claire's just sitting there play, playing with her dolls. Right. And it turns out that, like, Dad couldn't be fucked to go pick Claire up from school. Well, so, he was like, too drunk to drive. Called up, like, Mrs. Barrett, and yeah. was like, hey, can you pick her up? <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty sauced right now. <laughs> it was just so fucking relatable, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that speaks volumes about you. Uh, should I give my 60 seconds? Oh, yeah, baby. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the big bad clock, and I'm going to have you. Um, I feel like the sunlight's really soothing. We, Baby Nation, Tanner elected in this intimate little garret that we're holed up in. Just you and me against the world. Just the two of us <laughs> building right. castles in the sky. <laughs> Just the two again. of us. Uh, Tanner elected you to turn on my happy light, which is my yeah. little sun lamp that I stare into. I would call it neither little. Keep the darkness at bay. Yeah, it's actually large. Nor happy. <laughs> it's abrasive. <laughs> it's intense as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock and have you describe what happened in this novel. I, you ready? I, I'm gonna begin now. Okay. Mallory's dad loses his job. He is a lawyer at a high-powered law firm, but he loses his job. Pikes are in disarray. Pikes are in chaos. All of the Pike kids immediately try to find new revenue streams for the Pike family. Uh, Mallory takes on a uh, regular occurring babysitting job three times a week. At the Delancey household in the rich neighborhood, Amanda and Max, who you might remember from Christy and the Snobs, uh, they just put in a a pool, and all of Amanda and Max's friends come over and swim in their pool all the time, but they discover that they are not their friends at all, and they're just using them for their pool. Uh, Mallory and the Pikes have to put up with some bullying at school about the fact that their dad lost their jobs. Um, meanwhile, Mallory and all the Pike kids are working their asses off trying to make more money so to keep the family afloat. And Mr. Pike finds a new job as a lawyer at WageWorks. It's MetroWorks. Oh, okay. Well, let, that's as good a place as any to dive right in. What the fuck is MetroWorks? I had a mistake there. Unless you count whatever, like, whatever opened up a Stanford branch that Mr. McGill briefly worked at. Yeah. It's the first real shadowy corporation that we Metro have Works. it's called MetroWorks. i looked it up there's no there's nothing uh-huh. there's no kind of like he's a lawyer he's a lawyer for Metro so it's Works. not a law firm no i mean something called MetroWorks. we know that he had what like five fucking interviews he had kept yeah. coming yeah. back for interviews yeah they really needed to vet him and then there's this really weird moment 
like when Mallory's like, why, why do you keep having all these interviews? Dad laughed. <laughs> Maybe MetroWorks likes to torture prospective employees. Oh. And then just like nothing. You, you think it's an S&M kind of thing. <laughs> I just think they're on. Is that some, what you're saying? Like he's being subjected to this like weird it's hazing like Christian ritual. Gray. Mr. Gray will see you now. <laughs> Mr. Gray will see you now, Mr. Pike. Yeah. And Mr. Pike, like, he didn't know he was into that. Yeah. But then he, like, he discovered his his dark passenger. <laughs> and now he's, like, he just keeps going back for interviews. <laughs> That's not what I thought. I oh, just okay. thought it was sinister. Oh, okay. I mean, whatever. You know? I mean, John Pike is desperate. He's desperate for work. Oh yeah, he'll do <laughs> anything. Good. All right. Well, we'll look into we'll look into what we'll look into what Metro Works is. Yeah, we can talk about the... sex, baby. No, we can talk about you and me. This is all, we this can is... talk about no. all the good things and the bad things. No. We can eat. <laughs> You're mixing it up with our lunch song. <laughs> I think Baby Nation already knows about that from a previous episode. And if they don't, <laughs> try to figure it out for yourself. Here are the two choices I'm going to give you. We can talk about the factions in Stony Brook. Yep. Or we can talk about water as a metaphor. Can we talk about both? Yeah, man. Okay. Not at once, though. I'm going to talk about the factions first because it captured a note. Yeah, I bet you did. There's a lot in this book about the multiple different factions that we have identified in Stony Brook. There's not a lot about each individually, but it's a, there's a lot about them all, um, including this line, which I wonder if you picked up on, that just is a parenthetical that says, most of Karen's games involve either dolls, witches, or dressing up. Yep. Do you want to talk about it? Let's play dress up. Yeah. Amanda said to Angie and Karen, let's play dinosaurs. Max said to Huck and Timmy. Yep. So, once again, yep. five books ago, St. Mm-hmm. Matthews Martin mm-hmm. introduced us to a new faction. Yeah. And it was the faction of the dinosaurs. In a book called Jesse's Babysitter. Every single book since then has mentioned dinosaurs. Has mentioned dinosaurs. Yep. That's not a coincidence. But we don't know anything about them. No. We know nothing about... She's keeping her cards close to her chest on this one. Yeah. And... Even closer to her chest are her ballerina and soldiers with their magnificent weapons cards. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, I don't know if we can go too deep into this. I, In my mind, the ballerina is the one who is foretold, right? The ballerina is Jesse. Right. So wh- when when the war happens, the war of the eight armies or whatever it is, the witches and the dolls and the dinosaurs and the soldiers with their magnificent weapons and the bees and God knows what else, the ballerina... I think will be Jesse. Like obviously. Like sure. Anne's not going to throw us a curveball on that. Okay, I mean, sh- oh, yeah, Anne would never throw us a curveball, Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fine. I think that Anne is always fair. Right. She's always fair. Yeah. She she'll throw you a curveball, but you will have had the opportunity to see it coming. It's not escaping our attention, Anne, and I know you're listening. Yeah. It's not escaping our attention that you've mentioned dinosaurs in the last five books. Right. Ever since the schism. The schism, by the way, for New Baby Bees is after book 35 when Anne stops being the primary writer of these novels. Right. Um, But she's still exerting her control. She's still a puppet master, if you will. Right. 
uh, we have entered the puppet master phase of the sitter cycle, which in many ways is more terrifying because she's just like moving the little chess pieces um, that make the game play out. Maybe Anne doesn't even know about the dinosaurs. I think Anne knows. Maybe about it's them. beneath her attention. Yeah. Well, so there's something there. There are two other things to me that happen faction wise. One is related to dolls. Mm-hmm. I'll read you a passage here and we can just talk about it. This is the passage where Mallory is worried that Claire is missing that her dad has become like a deadbeat dad in like one day. Right. On the way, I imagined two things. One, Claire was missing. Two, Claire had taken advantage of things and made a huge mess somewhere. I decided the second possibility was more likely, but I was wrong. Claire was neither missing nor a mess. She was sitting on her bed in the room she shares with Margot, playing with two old baby dolls. Bad, (laughs) she was saying to one of the dolls. Bad girl. You put that back. You can't have it. Daddy is fired now. She turned to the other doll. Stop it! She cried. Quit bestering me! I just told you, you can't have a new skipper. And that's final. All Claire wants in the world is a new skipper doll. Yeah, all that she wants is another baby skipper doll. She's gone tomorrow. (laughs) Sorry, I just can't. I can't. No Um, one can resist the siren call of Ace of Base. (laughs) I think that is literally true. (laughs) We saw the sign here. Yeah. You know? My eyes are open. Yeah. It opened up my mind. <laughs> Skipper, the captain, right? Yeah. She wants a captain doll. I think Skipper's a thing. Wait, really? I think so. I think I remember my own little sister having a Skipper doll. Wow. Barbie's younger sister. Is it called Skipper? Skipper. She's the captain. She's the captain now. <laughs> We're in real trouble. We're in catch. <laughs> We're like incepted with catchphrases. It's Dibbly no, Stale. It's Diddly. <laughs> it's not diddly. It's diddly as hell, man. <laughs> All right. So terrifying shit happens. Daddy isn't paying attention. Dad, Daddy never gave attention. Um, um, any more faction stuff? Yeah. What else you got? The Prezioso family. Yeah. Are having another child. Whoa. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Prezioso. He tore himself away. For- <laughs> he tore himself away. It's the off season for boys <laughs> basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Prezioso was like, all right, just this once. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put a baby inside you. <laughs> but then a weird thing happens. So Dawn is the one who knows about it. Right. She's like, that Preziosos are having a child. It was worth keeping the secret to see the expressions on your faces, Dawn says. And guess what? The Preziosos already know what the baby will be. Mrs. P had a test done. The baby's going to be a... Uh, and then nothing. Oh, so it's up to us. <laughs> nothing. She knows what the baby is going to be. Mm-hmm. The baby is going to be, uh, I don't know, like a living doll? A dinosaur? A soldier with a magnificent <laughs> weapon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, God knows that Jenny Prezioso is not a normal child. No, what did we decide Jenny Prezioso is? I mean, maybe it'll be a boys basketball player and Mr. Prezioso can fucking go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he would die on the spot. <laughs> it's a boys basketball player. <laughs> it's born like a abnormally tall, like ten year old boy. Yeah, with like a breaking voice. <laughs> yeah. And Just like, like a lot of hustle. Like mesh shorts. <laughs> yeah. A really good vertical say, leap. Like, teamwork across the butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. Man, we we've ventured far afield. Have we? Yeah. <laughs> Should we bring it back and talk about water as a metaphor? 
Yeah, I suppose. Let's do that. Um, here's what I captured. Uh, 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 nothing. <laughs> Good. Well, did you, I mean, maybe a way into this is through Dickens. <laughs> okay. And, sure. It's kind of a way into any conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's how, it's, it's. Going to first it's date. how I like, make myself popular yeah. at cocktail parties. Yeah. And what, I mean, if you read, if you read Bleak House or David Copperfield or. What's the one about the orphan boy? Oliver Twist. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, it's good as hell. Yeah. But this, I mean, this book, this book is Dickensian. First of all, in the richness of its characters. Christmas Carol. Read that too. It's Dickensian in its scope. It brings in a vast array of new characters, many of whom are parodies and caricatures of like grotesque richness and opulence and cruelty. Like these characters, uh, Valerie and Rachel. Someone called Nan White. Who's called Nan non, White? Non White. In the 21st century. Guess what? Non is a kind of bread. So is white. Okay. White That's bread. That's what you captured there? Non bread. <laughs> Maybe there's something there. I don't know. We both looked at Nan White. I wrote Bleak House. You wrote, like, two kinds of bread. <laughs> <laughs> this lady's two kinds of bread. What does that mean? <laughs> But listen, the point here is that this book is a book that is about contrast, right? It's a contrast of rich and poor, like the ugliness and the excesses of richness uh-huh. um, and like the excesses of like the aristocratic elite and the the sadness and the tribulations and the trials of the working class and those who are like Mr. Pike who are left without work. Here's what or I think. Unemployed. If the Pikes stopped <laughs> so much and having so many goddamn kids yeah they'd be like billionaires but don't you think that's dickensian like they have seven fucking kids like they're full of love you know i wouldn't even call it love at this point it's just little claire pike is like touched in the head trying to like build an army she's all she can say is silly billy goo goo yeah you know but she's like we love her so much because she's got a pure heart yeah Poor little Claire pike sitting like sitting on her bed because daddy won't play with her because he's drinking too much gin the Pike family Playing is like the, the family from um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> They're just like constantly like abducting people and turning their bones into like silverware, <laughs> and like letting Claire harvest their flesh <laughs> so she can make masks. All right, well, let's dig into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's not. And now a word from our sponsor. Better help. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24 hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better Help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes Uh, like for instance i bet that i can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again well basically since you asked it's going uh, pretty badly um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. 
Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use. It's entirely online and they are super flexible. So it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. We can bring back um, an old chestnut, except I haven't done any prep for it, so I only have one passage. Okay. This one's called... Uh, Dickens novel or Babysitter's Club <laughs> book. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you have to guess. Okay. All right. Ready? Yep. Did Daddy give you lunch after school? He said I could have whatever I wanted. What did you want? Twinkies, but we didn't have any. Claire's chin was trembling. So you didn't eat? Claire shook her head. Daddy is an old silly Billy Goo Goo. I sat down on the bed and put me arms around my sister. Mm -hmm. Dickens or Babysitter's Club book? Um, I feel like you're trying to throw me with your <laughs> your Dickensian accents. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, I'm not sure that the uh, Twinkies <laughs> were prominent in industrial... <laughs> Era, London. Yeah, I should have. And I just read this book earlier today, and, <laughs> and recognize it as a passage from this book. Okay, so I'm going to say Martin. Well, as I said, I didn't have time to prepare. Yeah, <laughs> it's from Martin. It's Mart Martinian. Saint Martin. Yeah, it's Martinian. Man, I don't know how I'm going to segue from that. Like, the, you will accept that there is this dichotomy, right? The Delanceys, in some ways, are the extreme of it. The snobs who are rich, and then there's Nan White and her friends who make fun of Mallory because they're non white. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> bread, bread, bread. What? It? Man cannot live by bread alone. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> it's worth putting a pin in, yeah. at the very least. You've completely derailed me, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you completely derailed me. <laughs> Um, but the pool, the what? The pool. The, like there pool. is a swimming pool, pool in this book, which is the like pool. the pool, pool, the pool. There is a swimming said pool at the center of this novel. Mm -hmm. It is a swimming pool that is owned by the Delanceys. Yes, the Delanceys, Amanda and Max, and it is the. It's where all the sitting occurs, right? And the potency of water as a metaphor in this book is what I want to talk about. I'm interested. I need you to invite me into your pool so so I can dive in. The Delanceys represent this extreme opulence and extravagance and snobbishness that Mallory is set in opposition to. Okay. And the other kids in the neighborhood. Right. And the pool is like the water, which is like... Pool. 
Jack. Pool. <laughs> the water, like this, the pool is this like weird barrier that exists between them and like the poor kids in the neighborhood. Right. There is a metaphor there that is like water is a source of life, but it's also like too much of it can drown you, can be devastating, can be a cause of death. And you know what it reminds me of? What? Bread. <laughs> Why is that? Bread is life-giving. Okay. But if you eat too much... Too bread. many carbs <laughs> make you... It's tired and angry. Tired and angry, they can lead to health problems. Good. Okay, so good. So maybe non-white, it's kind of I like... I think it's nan. It's a little more tied into this, yeah. weaved into this rich tapestry than you ever considered, huh? Okay, good. You want to tease that out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I saw right in the front hall of the Delantes' house was a fountain. Honest. A fountain that was indoors. It was golden and in the shape of a fish standing on its tail. The water splashed out of its mouth and down into this pool that surrounded it. It's this subversion of nature. Yeah. The Delanceys are so far removed from the water that gives them life, from the the fish and the fowl of nature, yep. that they have made it into this travesty, into this parody, this opulent but superficial and ultimately meaningless way of existing that excludes all these other fucking kids who just want to come and play in their pool but who aren't friends with them. It's like the opulent, rich uh, Romans who would eat their fill yeah. and then uh, vomit it all exactly. up just so they could keep eating. Exactly. And that, you know, I don't know. Like the, I just thought that was a, like an amazing thing to dig into. And what happens in this book, and we didn't describe it in both of our summaries, God knows we try our best summarizing this, these fucking books twice, but sometimes we don't get to everything. Right. The end of this book is the test, a test of water. Right. Yes, there is. Right? Yeah. The book begins with a test of water. Right. Where all the neighborhood kids want to come and swim in the pool, and Amanda and Max say, there are you can't rules. swim in the pool. There are rules at the fucking pool. You literally need to do a test. Yeah. You need to swim yeah. from one end of the pool to the other without and back stopping. again without stopping. Right. And that, that's the first that's test of water. That's how you are deemed worthy yeah. of swimming in the pool. It's the first test of water. Right. The book ends with a test of water. Right. Mallory realizes because her friends at school stopped being her friends when her dad lost his job. Right. That she realizes that her true friends are the ones that stick by you. And truth will out in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to the Delanceys and says, listen, these people are using you for your pool. So submit them, she says, to another test of water. Yeah. And tell everybody that no one can swim in the pool, but you're still open for business right by which i mean people can come over and play and that's who you discover who your true that's how you discover who your true friends are and the last the very last mention of the pool the very last mention of water in this book nope christy answered i think there may have been a change in pool rules there's a change in the rules there are two tests of water three what's the third i don't know Christy says there's a change in the pool rules. Oh, there's a third test. Yeah, we don't know what it is yet. Okay. It's one of God's many mysteries. <laughs> it's one of Anne's many and mysteries. Then, well, yeah. Are you along for the ride here a little bit? The, yeah. There are tests of water. Yeah. Like, it's they are subjected to this test, and 
through it the like the lies and the superficiality and the fakeness of their rich lifestyle is cast aside and they find truth and friendship through this test. Yeah. Karen Brewer says, "You know what? I'll come and play with you even though I can't play in the pool." Yeah. Well, and Amanda De- and Amanda Delancey as we know from Little Sister books is actually her cl- second closest friend right. after Henny Papadakis. Yeah, and Henny doesn't like her at all. Papadam is a kind of bread. Whoa. <laughs> This is shaping up into a thing. <laughs> you got to mold that dough. It's fresh. It's new. <laughs> the yeast is still rising on this, this get... fan theory. <laughs> hey, man, I did some research this week, too. Oh, I'm sorry. I noticed bread. You, I noticed you bread. failed to notice non-white. Her name is two kinds of bread, Jack. <laughs> You just wrote like your notes, which you like won't stop looking at. It's just you wrote bread and underlined it three times. <laughs> Maybe Jack will know something. I don't know. Well, man cannot live on bread alone. No, you knew who said that Dickens. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> we we actually covered this two books ago. <laughs> yeah, Don this... says it. Don says it to Travis. Um, do you want to talk about the goof calls? <laughs> sure. Here's here's what I want to talk about. Last yeah. week we established that um there's a uh dichotomy mm-hmm. between violence yeah and love. It's a, it, okay. Can I pause for a second? Yeah. I just assume that you're not actually listening to me when I say this shit. You like took that on board, huh? Or did you listen to the episode afterwards? A little bit of both. <laughs> there's a dichotomy between violence and love. Right. One of the many ways it manifests itself in the last book mm-hmm. is, insert name, <laughs> uh, Buddy Barrett. Buddy Barrett wow, hits a baseball. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy Barrett hits a baseball. And he hits Shannon Kilborn in the head with it. Mm-hmm. And right. from that act of violence, right. springs. springs forth love. Right. He bashes her, and then he has a crush on her. The- May I read a passage to you? Yep. The Pike kids are being bullied at school because their dad was fired. Michael Hoffmeister is one of the bullies. Mm -hmm. Boy, I'd like to get Michael Hoffmeister, said Jordan. Me too, said Adam. I'd like to open his lunch one day and put crushed up spiders in his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ew, gross, squealed Margot. I'd like to accidentally hit him in the head with a baseball, said Jordan. Shit. (laughs) What do you think this means? I, I like subconsciously registered that when it happened. He you wants think to Jordan is, is attempting to woo <laughs> Michael Hoffmeister? <laughs> I feel like we need to know more about Michael Hoffmeister. Do you want to Google and see if Hoffmeister is some kind of a bread? <laughs> <laughs> don't. Absolutely don't, I do. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm deep in a bread theory now, man. <laughs> Bread theory, <laughs> Babysitters Club Club's worst theory yet. <laughs> it's like season two. It's like it's our version of Dibble. It's like <laughs> we're doing our di- best here. Distant work. People are like, yeah, Ember theory and B theory and Doll theory really fucking hold up. Yeah, and we're just like grasping. We're still working with bread theory. <laughs> we're still working on it. It, it does not appear to be a kind of bread. now they're into bread. <laughs> Good. The way that the dialectic of love and violence works is you commit an act of violence, then you commit an act of love, and then there is a synthesis. If there's going to be something between Michael Hoffmeister and Jordan Pike in terms of reconciliation and friendship, 
that needs to happen after he just bashes him with a fucking baseball bat or makes him eat spiders. Um, it does make me think of a hot, hot segment that we sometimes like to do. There is a bakery in Karlsruhe, Germany. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just outside of Stuttgart. I, okay. Uh, called Hofmeisterbrot. <laughs> okay, Hofmeisterbrot, which is uh, our German-speaking baby nation listeners will recognize that as yeah Hofmeister's bread. Yep. Um, what are we talking about? I was I wasn't really paying attention. Um, I was suggesting that the notion of putting spiders in someone's lunch reminded me of a segment that you and I have. Uh huh. Did you, sir, have? Uh. <gasps> yeah, I had, I had a couple. Good. Well, let's uh, let's let's get right into it. I don't I don't even know if I had one, man. Um, so I'll let you start. What was your burn of the week? The Pike kids are trying to figure out how to earn money. Mm-hmm. For the family, so that they can pay off their mortgage. We could earn money too, Jordan cried. I'd been hoping someone would say that. That's Mallory. Yeah, Vanessa said, inspired. And I know exactly what I could do. What? I asked, feeling suspicious, but I wasn't sure why. I could sell poems to magazines. Vanessa is an aspiring poet. She has notebooks and notebooks filled with her poetry. Sometimes she even speaks in rhymes, which is annoying. Vanessa, I started to say. The triplets are snickering. No, really, I could, said Vanessa. Don't laugh. Of course, Adam laughed even harder. Then he said, don't worry, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing near you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what else is fucked up? What? So the Pike kids all go to work. Yeah. They, like, when dad is out of work, the kids... Spring in action, and Mallory donates her babysitting money. Uh, Vanessa does everybody's hair and donates money from that. Yep. The Jordan and his two brothers start an odd jobs thing. Yep. And they donate that money. And ABJ, Nikki, ABJ, Nick, ABJ Industries. But Nick, Nikki Pike gets a paper route and right. donates that money. Later, at the end of the book, Mr. Pike is like, Everyone was like, "Everyone was like, oh man, we're so glad you finally you got a new job at Metro Works Industries. We were so worried that we were going to be homeless." Right. And Mr. Pike is like, "Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. No, like, I, I had severance pay for my last right. job. I was good. We were fine. Yeah. He still fucking took all of their fucking pocket money. Yeah, of course he did. He wants to buy himself something nice. <laughs> Put a lot of hard work in the last couple of weeks trying to find a new job. Well, he's got on a the new couch. habit too. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's got he's got." Stuff to pay for, Jack. Yeah, yeah. You know? that, that like, pure, undistilled... A glass of something. A glass of something. A pure, yeah. undistilled, straight glass of something. something. Does not pay for itself. No. <laughs> Here's a burn. Great. Very good. Fuck you. Very natural. Here's a hot burn. Yep. Uh, Jesse calls Rachel a toad head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel being one of the uh, uh, fellow seventh graders yeah. at Stony Brook Middle she's School, who's with like gossiping non-white. about. Yeah, she's pals with non-white. <laughs> yeah, she calls her Toadhead. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, 
I feel like you had a burn of the week uh, in the trip to New York. Stacy's mistake. Stacy's mistake. Uh, you had a burn where someone called someone a toad. Yeah. This is a step above that. Yeah, it's a, she's a toad head. Like, so either, I don't, and you can speak to this. Body of a human, head, head of, a of a toad. <laughs> or body of a human, head that just is a toad. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I don't quite, I can't quite visualize it in my head. <laughs> which is a human head. Yeah. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> you know, they always say that, like, when you're used to people, like, just from their voices. Yeah. If you just listen to them on the radio or on a podcast, it's always surprising. Right. When you see them in real life. Right. If you Google pictures of Tanner. Yeah. It's a human man. <laughs> right. And a human head. And, and, and a human head. <laughs> and a shh, head. Shh, 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 shh. That is it's a, a human head. A literal toad. No. <laughs> no, it's a human head, baby. It's not Nation. a toad's head. No. It's a full physical toad. Could it leap off my body? Yeah. Off my torso? Yeah. Into a pond. And then you just have to stand there looking like a fucking idiot. Until another toad jumps up there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Dude, you want to go home? <laughs> yeah, did we have a terrible month? <laughs> did you skip them? Here's, here's what. Here's what the segment's called. It's called... <gasps> I'm trying to, like, bark it like you do. I already said my tearful moment, but I said it in a Dickensian... <laughs> voice to try to throw you off the trail yeah of whether it was from this book or in fact from bleak house uh-huh um but it was in fact from saint and matthews martin oh that was from that was from yeah it was that from, was martinian it was martinian not dickensian it was it was from uh poor mallory <laughs> okay i didn't even i didn't even get the reference they yeah. all sort of are muddied together in my head <laughs> yeah i think we should let Mal have as many sitting jobs as she can handle, added Claudia. Tuesdays, Thursdays, weekends, whatever. Mal has first dibs on daytime jobs, said Stacy. That's fair. Mal? asked Jesse. Mal? I hadn't said anything because I was desperately trying not to cry. I swallowed hard and finally found my voice. Thanks. <laughs> this is... I mean, you guys are... Don't. Stop, cried Marianne. In a few seconds, I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's my tearful moment. Distant. Yeah, distant. says Claudia. Yeah, and then, yeah, Claudia says distant. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get out of here. Baby Nation, for the love of God, rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. For the love of God. Even if you don't use iTunes. Mm-mm. Like, especially, especially if you, don't, if use you don't use iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. It is all that we have. Right. It's all that we have. Please. Please. I'm, I'm begging you now. I'm over it. This is... You're over it? I don't even care if they okay. do anymore. Fine. Don't. I hope they don't. 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 Because then we get to cancel the podcast, yeah. and I don't have to do this Just anymore. cancel it. Fine. Yeah. That'd be nice. Save me a lot of fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great. Don't. I'll get my weekends back. Yeah. I hope that nobody rates or reviews. Do you think I this is working? I think so. I think the reverse psychology is working. It's happening. Yeah. If you did rate and review, review us on iTunes, go ahead and delete that rating. Yeah. And that review. Right. 
I was I was tweeting at people while you were in Paris. Were you? Yeah, I was tweeting at some some folk about uh, the Wandering Frog People game. Oh yeah, let's get an update. Go out there and get for yourself and for someone. It's that been you a month love. since I dumped that frog on you. Yeah, but you said you. Where is it? Well, you said you tell you something. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, you said you packed around. That was trunk. a fucking lie. That frog I don't have person, it. It's weaving its way through the cosmos right now. I don't have it. It's out in the starry expanse. Here's what I will tell you. I think you're you're bluffing. Here's what I will tell you. You have it. Here's my one hint. Yeah. That wandering frog person. Yeah. When you receive it onto your person. You are going to be so fucking surprised. You're bluffing. You're bluffing, and you're not good at it. You think you're good at it, but you're not good at it. You're okay. bluffing. All right. Well, you have it, and you don't know what to do with it. Well, check back in, Baby Nation. Listen, uh, I have been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner Greenring. This has been another episode of the Babysitters Club Club. Club. This week, we read a book that was called Poor Mallory. Yep. Next week, we're reading a little book called. Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. Claudia is wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. What do you think about this blinding light that you've turned on into both of our faces? I think it's good. <laughs> You're into it. It's called the sun ray, and I yeah. guess it's supposed to be like natural, yeah. natural sunlight. Yeah, it's good. It's this is a small room. Mm-hmm. We're recording in Jack's office this, this week. Uh, uh, reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> We've yeah. been apart for weeks. Yeah, here we are again in the same liminal space. Yeah, um, talking to one another face to face, I can look right into those those beautiful blues. blue swimming pools you got there. Wow! <laughs> Just dive in. Woo! We've got this sunlight going. It's making everything feel alive, vibrant. I'm thinking about taking my shirt off. Whoa! <laughs> like a day at the beach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna pause though and listen to this to make sure that audio sounds okay.